You're listening to Overcome the Overwhelm for Special Needs Moms with Lauren Lowry. Ah, well, hello, friends. Welcome back to Overcome the Overwhelm. I hope you guys are having an amazing first week of January, an amazing first week of the year 2022 when this podcast is going to come out. So I hope that you aren't having too much of like, I feel like there's this, there needs to be a word for it. Maybe there is a term for it. It's not necessarily like seasonal depression, but it's like the post-Christmas blues, (laughs) you know, where you have to take down your Christmas decorations and your house kind of looks and there's just not you know the fun holiday parties aren't happening and and you know a lot of us probably are thankful that those things are not happening and we're over that but (laughs) there is kind of a sense of like now what you know there's not a whole lot that's happening in the month of January and it can kind of be and you know like oh well what now what do we do how do we how do we have fun (laughs) I'm honestly, I'm personally dreading, dreading taking down my Christmas decorations because my house is just going to, it's just not as pretty, you know? And maybe that's a sign that I should go buy some new decorations for my house and spruce it up a little bit. But, you know, it's just Christmas decorations come with lights and they come with glitter and sparkle and red and gold and green. And I, I don't know if normal decorations just have quite that same effect, you know? <laughs> But anyways, I'll be fine. I actually very intentionally kind of left some things off that I've been excited to do for the month of January, you know, for this podcast and for my business. I kind of left them because I always get like this January blah. There's just nothing going on. It's cold. Can't really go outside as much. So I kind of planned a lot of fun things for this month. um, And I'm really happy that I did that. And this episode is actually one of those things. I've been planning to do this episode for quite some time. Um, It's one of the very first things, even before I started the podcast, that I knew I wanted to have a conversation about on this podcast. Um, And it actually is going to end up being a two-part series. So today I'll be bringing you part one, and next week will be part two. So I'm, I'm so excited for it. So... Uh, let's just jump in, you know, with it, with it being January, kind of ties to that, and it's the new year, I'm sure you are seeing all those weight loss and health advertisements, you know, for different diets, there's, you know, or the different fitness programs, and Beachbody and things like that, and, you know, we typically see these things this time of year, as so many people make weight loss a part of their New Year's resolutions, You know, we'll soon start to hear the terms like, oh, get your summer body ready, things like that. So I thought this would be the perfect time to talk about this, but in a very different way than you may be used to. You know, I know for many special needs moms, overeating and stress eating are a common issue. And I think for a lot of special needs moms as well, our own physical health, it gets put on the back burner. And I think we all know that our mental health definitely gets put on the back burner as well. Hence why I have an entire podcast for this. (laughs) But you know, this is even more so true if you are living in that survival mode. Your own physical and mental health gets put on that back burner. You know, you're just trying to make it through each day, one day at a time. But the interesting thing is, is that most people see, and you know, this is our culture, our society, whatever, most people see our physical health and our mental health as two separate things. You got those on two separate back burners back there, huh? (laughs) 
you know, your physical health on one side, it's your weight, it's your body, it's the food you eat, it's exercise, things like that. Where mental health is seen as your stress, your emotions, trauma, depression, anxiety, you know, but here's the deal. Your physical health is so closely tied with your mental health. Now, you know, I think we're like, oh yeah, of course, you know, you, whatever, you go to the gym, it gives you endorphins, you don't kill people. That's 1000% illegally blonde reference. You're welcome. <laughs> but this doesn't mean that going to the gym will cure your mental illness. But yeah, we do know that exercise does have positive benefits on our mental health, right? Has positive benefits on our mood. You know, but these two things, mental health and physical health, are tied together even more so than just exercise being good for your mood. It goes so much deeper than that, especially if you are living in survival mode. So I just want to pause here real quick. And, you know, we have a lot of new people each episode coming out, you know, a lot of new people joining in. So I want to give a quick explanation slash reminder to what survival mode is. So survival mode is the body's response to stress or perceived danger. You know, when our brains sense danger or stress, uh, like if your child has to be like rushed to ER or something, you know, something like that, there is a hormonal and like a physiological response to that event. It prepares us to fight, flight, or freeze in order to keep us safe. The brain's number one goal in life is to keep you alive. So when you are experiencing stressful situations every single day, like most special needs moms do, we call this chronic stress. And this causes your brain to live almost full time in that survival mode. And this is also referred to as caregiver burnout. They're actually the same thing. So just so you know. You know, and living in that state day after day can have some very negative effects on not just your mental health, but also your physical health as well. You know, some signs that your brain is stuck in that survival mode are anxiety, anger or rage. So if you're like snap, you know, lashing out and snapping um, at your family, um, impulsivity, not being present. You ever zone out? Kind of just maybe you're like on your phone you know, on like social media for way too long and just like on the couch and not really paying attention to life around you. Also includes overeating, which we're going to talk about today. Addictions, which is kind of similar to overeating. It's pretty much the same conversation. Um, And feelings of overwhelmed. These are all things that come from, I don't know if you would call them symptoms or signs of living in survival mode. And the long-term effects of these things are, you know, things like weight, weight gain, isolation from loved ones, and a negative long-term impact on your relationships. You know, for instance, on that last part, if you're lashing out at your spouse all the time, that's going to have a negative impact. If you're zoning out and not present, it's going to have a negative impact. You know, also results in missing out on a lot of the good things in life for a variety of reasons. Whether it be from that zoning out on social media for an unhealthy amount of time, (laughs) there's a difference. Or maybe you're missing out because you don't have the energy to play or interact with your family because, you know, I mean, when we do have extra weight on our bodies, we have less energy. It takes us more energy to do things than, you know, it's just science. But also an unhealthy diet. Yeah, you never eaten, can't talk, you ever eaten a whole thing of Oreos, you don't feel good afterwards. Do you have energy after eating that? No. 
Do you have energy after eating way too many chips? No. <laughs> so it's just interesting that, yeah, we don't usually think about those long-term side effects. And I want to focus on one of those signs of survival mode today. We're going to kind of keep it reined in. And it just it isn't just a sign of survival mode necessarily, but it is something that is so incredibly common in women and moms, not just special needs moms as a whole. And it's stress eating, overeating. Now, I used to think that I was not an emotional eater. You know, that term, it never really resonated with me. I thought that overeating, like an, or a, uh, an emotional eater, meant like eating a tub of ice cream and crying on the floor after like a bad breakup with your high school boyfriend. And my body was never, you know, back in high school, middle school, whatever, it was never overweight necessarily or underweight. It was just average. It was just normal. So this term was not something that I ever considered for myself uh, to be an issue until uh, after Leo you know, it was about one or two and I started my first ever real diet. Before then, I, you know, I, we just did unhealthy eating really before then. But, <laughs> you know, but right, I think Leah was probably about two. I started Weight Watchers. Yeah. And I did all the things. I, I downloaded the app. I signed up for the membership. I counted all the points. I had the, you know, the cookbooks for it. I found all these recipes that were Weight Watchers friendly and I was going to lose that baby weight, which if you've been following me for very long at all, you might already know this, but it was not actually baby weight. I actually gained it all after baby, after Leo was born from eating the entire hospital cafeteria for months. <laughs> but, but, you know, I was not an emotional eater. No, no, no. I was, that, that's not me. I'm a, I'm not an emotional eater. I just needed to diet, right? That, that's what I told myself. I just needed to diet. Just need to get that baby weight off. <laughs> now, if you've been on any sort of diet, this story might sound familiar. You know, where the first few weeks for me, it was amazing. Uh, it was easy and the novelty, the newness of it was so great. I was so good at it. I was going to lose weight. Everything was going great. You know, but then as the days went on, I, I started to just slip a little here and there. You know, I, start, I started to cheat on my diet, you know, but just when I had a bad day or, you know, just when Leo was being extra irritable, which fun fact was every minute of every day in those first two years. Um, or, you know, I just cheat when I'd had a long day at work. You know, I'd, I would treat myself. Um, you know, I deserve to treat every now and then, right? That's what I would tell myself. I would justify it a lot. It was a nice thing to do for myself. This was self-care, right? You know, but that treat became every day. And sometimes that treating myself and take care of myself with food became multiple times a day. Yeah. And then I started to do something really weird, I started to essentially starve myself all day so that I would have enough of those damn imaginary food points from Weight Watchers. If you're familiar with Weight Watchers, you have an allotted amount of points each day, and each food is given a certain number. So I would, like, bank all my points at the end of the day so that I could eat junk food in front of the couch while I zoned out watching TV. Or actually really just scrolling on Facebook, you know. Um, <laughs> not great, right? <laughs> my eating and my thoughts around food, they became very disordered from this. You know, I was robbing Peter to pay Paul with Weight Watchers points, essentially. You know, I started choosing lower point foods. Like, so this is what's weird is like some foods I'd look at chips and it would be lower point value than an apple. And if I was to ask you just point blank, which is healthier, chips or an apple? 
I think majority of people would say, yeah, an apple is healthier, right? Um, but no, hey, those chips are lower points, so I'm going to eat the chips, not the apple. Because this diet had told me via its point counter that chips were the healthier option for me. You know, and this isn't me sitting here saying, oh, Weight Watchers is the devil. This isn't about that. That's not what this episode is about. This is just diet culture that I'm just giving you an insight into. This is me saying that diet culture, it can be harmful. And it made me start to realize that going on a diet, the whole issue with going on a diet is that it doesn't solve the root of the problem. Yeah. You know, in everything in my life, I'm always the type of person that hates like slapping on a bandaid on the symptoms of something without ever finding out the cause of it, without ever addressing the cause of the issue in the first place. I take this approach um, when it comes to my kid's health, you know, whenever it comes to Leo's, he has a lot of health issues, obviously. Um, You know, I don't want to slap a bandaid on something if we can address the root cause of it. I don't want to just give a medication for the symptoms of something. You know, and I, I, I follow this role in so many aspects of my life, my career, my family, me, you know, so why should my eating habits be any different? That diet, that Weight Watchers diet I was on was a band-aid. Overeating food was not the main issue. Overeating food was a symptom of something bigger going on, you know, because overeating is anytime you eat when you're not hungry right? So think about the times whenever you're just like, oh, you know, I'm just going to de-stress with a bag of popcorn and a glass of wine. Are you hungry whenever you eat that glass of wine and that popcorn? No. No one's ever hungry when they eat popcorn. No, you're eating it, you know, for the pleasure of sitting on the couch and de-stressing with it, right? That's why you're eating it. That is overeating. And that's something I never realized up until the point where, you know, the story is going essentially (laughs) after Weight Watchers. (laughs) You know, but, and this is, I learned, this is where I learned that I was, in fact, an emotional eater. And that's crazy to me, you know. And what this meant was that I used food to make myself feel better. I started to notice that I used food to avoid negative emotions, like grief. I started to use food to avoid stress, make myself feel better, right? I started using it as a coping mechanism, you know, Kind of, that's how you would de-stress at the end of the day. Now, you know, this makes sense. All of this makes sense that our, that we would turn to food as a way to de-stress. Because our brains are hardwired for survival, like we talked about earlier. So it's number one job, keep you alive. And back in the caveman days, food was a major part of survival. You know, a big portion of life back in the caveman days was spent hunting for food, foraging food, you know, finding that food. This is a very important thing to the brain. So when we killed the animal we were hunting and we ate it, this signaled to our brain that we did something right. And it released all those feel-good chemicals like dopamine in the reward system. Yes, so dopamine is our pleasure hormone, right? So, and this is why food feels like pleasure. Because food literally means dopamine. So of course, when we are experiencing something like sadness or grief or stress, of course our brains panic and tell us we need to do something immediately to feel better because it feels that its safety is in danger. Oh, nope, that negative thing, we don't like that, that doesn't feel good, we might die, 
Get some food. Let's get rid of that feeling. Food equals instant dopamine. And certain foods, what I've learned over the time, certain foods like sugar give us even more of a dopamine hit. You know, so if you tend to reach for the Oreos and the ice cream like me, I love sweets, right? It is because your brain knows it will get more pleasure out of those things to negate that negative feeling that it doesn't want to experience. Yeah, your brain, our brains, they're all about seeking pleasure and avoiding pain. I don't want to feel sad, I will eat a cookie. Yeah, I don't want to feel stressed, I will grab a glass of wine and that cookie. Why not? Yeah, the happier we can feel, the better. But does it ever actually make you feel happy? No. (laughs) So, you know, if you've ever had a diet fail, I just want you to know it is because diets like Weight Watchers, um, you know, the Whole30, I actually don't, I don't know. I'm not going to go into a list of diets. You guys know. You've probably, if you're around my same age, if you're a millennial, you grew up in the main diet culture. And I think things are maybe getting better, but I don't, I don't know, honestly, you know. <laughs> but, you know, diets do not address the root of the issue. Yeah. Diets do not address your brain. They don't address your mental health. Because, again, in our society, those are two separate things. Yeah, mental and physical health, nope, not tied, not tied together at all. Diets only address one single aspect, and that is usually, it's usually the amount of food or the type of food you consume. That is the only part of your body's health that diets actually kind of take into effect, if that makes sense. Yeah, so I decided, I wanted to Google some facts about diets in preparation for this episode. And I discovered that this is insane to me. Like, I just need to take a minute here because this still baffles me. 95% of diets fail. And 80 to 95% of people will gain back the weight or gain more back than before they started the diet. That's That's insane, guys. It's absolutely crazy that 95% of a billion-dollar industry results in failure. And our culture still just keeps throwing money at these diets, at this diet industry, right? And even crazier is uh, one of the articles, you know, that was talking about the statistic went on to pretty much blame, oh, you know, we don't really know why they fail, but it must be genetics or our body compositions, It never even mentioned the mental aspect. It never even mentioned our brains or, you know, our emotions or why we use food to feel better. It never even brought that up of why we overeat. That's just crazy to me. You know, if we were taught more in school about healthy coping mechanisms and less about calories and the food pyramid... I bet we'd start to see a healthier generations, right? You know, and I can only speak for myself here. I don't know about your guys' school, but here in Oklahoma, uh, emotional regulation and stress management was not a class offered in high school, you know? But don't worry, I did learn some very valuable things. I learned how to square dance and play hot cross buns on the recorder. Very useful things in life. I may, you know, have eaten my feelings for years and... (laughs) But I can play hot cross buns on the recorder, probably still to this day. It's okay. (laughs) 
you know, I didn't learn how my brain was using food as a way to avoid negative feelings. But I did learn that I needed to run a lot to be in a calorie deficit and only eat carrots for lunch in order to be a good cheerleader. We're definitely taught those things in our, in our society, right? You know, and this isn't a conversation about thin bodies. This isn't a conversation about losing weight. This is a conversation about how eating food to avoid negative emotions is keeping so many moms stuck in survival mode. Because when we avoid feeling... When we stuff those feelings like grief of the life that we expected, grief for our child, the potential that they might not have a very long life, when we stuff those feelings down inside of us and we try to cover it up, we try to hide that pain with the dopamine hit of food, we are just suppressing it. We are not processing those emotions. We are not dealing with it. We are not even facing it. Yeah, no one wants to feel the pain that you know might be coming for you. No one wants to feel the pain of, you know, the life you were handed here. Because it's not easy being a special needs mom. It's not easy knowing your child has a life expectancy of just a few years. But, you know, eating a bag of chips doesn't get rid of that. No. Eating a bag of chips does not get rid of the stress of all the appointments, of all the, you know, managing a pretty much a full-time job of medical care for a child. No, eating a bag of chips does not get rid of that stress. It just hides it away for the time being. But the stress, it's still there, guys. Because it doesn't ever go away until you've learned to process it. Until you learn to manage it in a healthy way. And that stress that you are just stuffing down inside of you, that is what keeps your brain in survival mode. Yes, chronic stress equals survival mode, guys. So we don't process that stress, we stay in survival mode. You know, and like I said in the beginning of this episode, I'm getting heated here because I feel very passionately passionately about this. We always look to, you know, fix, we want to fix things instantly. We live in a time where, hey, even going back to the diets, the quicker I can lose this weight, the quicker you can promise me that I can lose this 10, 15, 20 pounds, the more money I'm going to throw at you, right? That's the society we live in. But no one ever stops and says, hey, what if we could learn to actually maybe keep the weight off forever? What if we could learn to actually maybe stop eating like we've always ate? For real. Not just like, oh, yeah, learn to eat healthy. No. Learn to actually not use food to suppress emotions. Not use food to hide your stress. Yeah. So like I said at the beginning of this episode, this will be a two-part series. This episode is the why diets don't work for special needs moms. And next week, we will talk about what to do about it. Next week, we will talk about how to stop stress eating, you know, and you're, it's, I'm just not going to lie. I'm not going to lie here. You guys are not going to want to miss it. I promise you, (laughs) because this is where the real work happens. I know that this is a conversation about weight loss. This is a conversation about overeating and stress eating, but it's more than that. This is a conversation about something that is keeping you in survival mode. It's keeping you from being present with your children. It's keeping you from making the most out of the time you have with them. It's keeping you feeling overwhelmed and miserable and just stuck. 
yeah, a lot of us only have so much time. I don't want to spend it living in survival mode, and I don't want you spending it living in survival mode. So this got real deep. Hey, guys, first week of January, I'm going in strong. (laughs) Okay, guys, listen, next week, we're going to learn all the things. And I'm going to try not to get so hated about it, but I can't make any promises on that. So in the meantime, I want you to take care of yourselves and I want you to have a wonderful week and I will talk to you next week. Have a great day and I love you guys. Goodbye. Thanks for joining me on today's episode of Overcome the Overwhelm. If you have questions or like more information, head on over to LowryLifeCoaching.com and I'll see you next week.